1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's mentally
2: yours for man and focus on your mental health you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours Mentally yours It's mentally yours from melanin and of focus on your mental health You surely won't regret It's mentally, mentally, mentally Mentally, mentally yours Mentally yours Mentally yours Welcome back to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly podcast about all things mental health. Today we're talking with Robin and Emma, their best friends and they're authors of a new book called It's Your Loss. It's all about living with grief and how we get through it. So we're going to be talking with them about all kinds of loss, how people process things and how friends can help you through it. So welcome to Mentally Yours guys. Um, to get us started, can you introduce yourselves with your names so everyone knows who's speaking when? So I'm Robin. And I'm Emma. Excellent. And you guys are friends and you're also the authors of a new book called It's Your Loss, which is all about loss. Can you talk to us first about how you guys became friends
0: and how long you've known each other? I think you tell this story much better than I do. It okay. I always come, come out of it really well when Robin tells the story. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well,
1: we met for the first time before we actually knew we'd met for the first time. So when we were in uni, um, both of us got pulled onto the stage at a DJ Yoda gig. And um, our friends were collectively horrified with us. And we were like, but we're dancing! And <laughs> really drunk. Um, and then subsequently, when we knew each other, we one of us told this anecdote and the other one said, oh, but I was the other girl on the stage. <laughs> um, so we had a lovely dance with each other. But um, when we truly met each other, I was um, running a boutique in Nottingham. And uh, Emma came in and brought in this covering letter. And it was the funniest covering letter I'd ever read it was so well written it was so funny and I was just like oh my god I need this woman to be in my life and be my colleague so she did about three shifts and then we just sort of became friends no regrets so far Emma What's
2: lovely is this sounds like a rom-com kind of thing. Like it's very, it's (laughs) like a great love story. The fact that you met before actually meeting it's very like, it's fate that you guys are meant to be friends.
1: Yeah. Like sliding doors. Yeah. We were meant to be. Yeah. And we look, we like, look this, I look, I joke that I look a bit like Emma's parasitic twin. (laughs) <laughs> quite similar but I look like the less less well developed one so there's me who's very short and like hello and then there's Emma who's this beautiful glamazon um but with fundamentally the
0: same faces like I say I come out of that story really well when Robin tells it
2: <laughs> it's nice I would love if one of my friends said that they were like my parasitic twin I mean that's the dream <laughs> <laughs> on a uh, on a less cheery note Both of you guys have experienced loss of your mums. Can you tell us a bit about how basically each tell us your story about that and then also how you guys helped each other through that and having gone through a similar experience?
0: Yeah, I think one of the strange things that happened after Robin had kind of forced me to be her friend (laughs) is that we started going out. And we would do weird things like we'd go bowling or we'd like make drunk word searches and make our friends do them when we were on nights out. And then I think it was one drunk bowling night. We kind of confessed to each other on the street that we were both going through a really tough time and that Mm. both of our best women in the world. So my mum and Robin's nan, who was to all intents and purposes, her mum as well, Mm -hmm. um, both had cancer. And we were young. We were in our early 20s at that point. And I remember just kind of, I think we cried on the street together. And it was this moment that I think bonded us forever. Just to go back to that rom-com thing, you know, there's kind of that breakthrough moment yeah. when everyone kind of gels and comes together. Um, and I think that kind of sense of loss and togetherness in loss is kind of like bound because not many people at 20, four or whatever are going through that mm. um so we kind of helped each other through that and you know my mum was uh she'd got breast cancer that had spread to her bones um and she was living very far away on this tiny Scottish island um I just started going to university in Kent and I would come back to Nottingham for the summers which is where I met Robin and it was really tough my mum was like my safe space in the world she was my favorite person ever Um, And a bit like my, also my twin. I I am friends with people who don't look exactly (laughs) like me. (laughs) But it was was this really hard moment in life of trying to navigate being 20 and being in this new place at university and getting on with all that work and stuff. And then kind of having the rug pulled out from under my feet at the same time with this impending loss of my favourite person. Um, And I think having Robin through that really gave me a little escape pod. It was quite
1: different so my nan had been like Emma said my mum really since I was very little I've been um, estranged from my mum I didn't live with my mum from being nine onwards I was brought up by my dad um, but my grandparents were heavily involved and like kind of had lived with them on and off and just they were incredible and kind of very much parent age so my nan was my age now when I was born so she was 36 so she was just the best. Um, and she, uh, had, uh, womb cancer. So endometrial mm-hmm. cancer, um, kind of pretended to us all. She was like, I'm just getting a hysterectomy. And I was like, oh, cool. Like to middle-aged women just do that. she's like, "Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, getting a hysterectomy. And then there were complications with her operation. And when I got in the car with my granddad, my granddad was like, oh, so your nan's got cancer. And I was like, mm-hmm. right, great. Um, and that's kind of the way it all kind of panned out, my nan really tried to shield us from how ill she was. So we had um, just under or just over a year uh, from her being diagnosed to her passing away. Mm-hmm. The whole time kind of not really knowing it was terminal, but um, yeah, and she was just this amazing, like I said, safe space somewhere I could retreat to. My parents kind of both had addiction issues and were very young, so that stability and security and warmth had meant so much and then when it went it was like it it completely turned me inside out because I just didn't know where to go when I needed that comfort so um yeah it was it was a tough time.
2: It sounds difficult as well that she was kind of keeping it secret because I can understand why you'd want to try to shield people and like not worry them but do you feel like that made it Harder to feel prepared for when she did eventually pass.
1: We did not know she was going to die at yeah. all, and this is not just because I am kind of I'll I can be quite naive to things like that and be like, oh, it'll be fine. But mm-hmm. I spoke subsequently when writing the book to like my uncle, who's her son, and I was like, yeah, we didn't really know. And I was like, did she ever sort of say to you it was him? And I was like, absolutely not. Um, and none of us really knew. I think she was just trying to protect us, but. Mm. It was quite, then when she died, it was very sudden. It was kind of, she stopped treatment for a bit and then started. And then very quickly after that, um, she deteriorated. And we were all like, what? We couldn't mm. believe, well, my granddad knew it was terminal, but they had just decided on the message in between them. Um, and we were all sort of left to be like, oh, we did not expect that. <laughs> did you
2: feel any anger about that?
1: No, I don't think I did. I think mm. I just felt really sad for her yeah. that she couldn't couldn't have. She didn't seek our support in that mm. way, um, and that she just had this year of talking to her was quite difficult. Like not difficult, but you felt like she was never really in the room. Her mind was somewhere else, and mm. it's only after you realise, well, she knew she was dying, and we didn't. Um, and and that's that makes me really sad.
2: Yeah. No, it's really because that's why we're different people because my reaction is anger and frustration. It's like, yeah. oh, for goodness sake. But it is terribly sad when it's like, oh, I wish that you could have sought our support through that.
1: Yeah. She was just so, she was just, such a matriarch. And I think mm. the first thing in her mind was making sure we were all fine. Yeah. And so she, she would just come last in that list. But yeah, to, to be as frightened and kind of. sad as she must have been it sort of breaks my heart that she couldn't have comfort that she couldn't ask for our comfort through that but you know maybe we couldn't given her any but yeah it's a it's a tough one
2: and Emma was it as was it different for you as in did you feel more prepared or was it a kind of similar
0: kind of shock good question um well I think You can never be prepared, right? You can never be prepared to lose the best person uh, in your life. Um, I think everything about Robin and mine's situation is kind of same, same, but also very opposite the way Mm -hmm. that we deal with things. um, And true to form, my mum found out that she had breast cancer and that it was inoperable and she died five years later. So we had quite a lot of time um, to... Well, I say to process and kind of get used to the idea, but actually what I did was very much look the other way and pretend none of it was happening. And I think there's a toss up between when it's so sudden, you are so shocked and it knocks you to the floor. um, And when it's a long and protracted illness, you have this kind of trudging inevitability about it. Um, that you have to kind of live with and deal with and navigate as you're going. And neither of those are good situations. Um, mm. But I think perhaps that also helps me to understand why Robin and I reacted to them so differently.
2: How did you react? And how is that different for, you know, between you?
0: Um, well, we, the way that we react to everything is is different. I tend to um, get very quiet and look the other way and pretend things aren't happening Robin, how would you describe your reaction to that
1: I um make a big scene. um I'm from a family of big scene makers, um so kind of there's a lot of crying, there's a lot of wailing, there's a lot of histrionics, um, There's competitive mourning, you know we did we really did it all. um I was like, I am gonna be the saddest girl you've ever met for the next couple of years and and i I really did, I really did go for it um so yeah, it's very public like the world is over. Um,
0: kind of mourning for us whereas I was by myself in a room just being sad and hoping nobody noticed
1: I didn't um, know Emma's mum had died for a fortnight because Emma oh, wow. didn't tell anyone she was mm. just like I'll just I'll just sit here and
0: muse on this yeah I was very much pretending that it hadn't happened I think probably for a good few years yeah Um. and in that way we are very different Robin
1: yes <laughs> I think I text everyone I knew out the car as I can remember sitting like vividly like all the moments after the hospice and going and sitting in a car park in Tesco's waiting for either my husband or my uncle to go and get some food and just being like to my to my people being like well she's gone now and like those people didn't need that update but I just needed those people to go oh my god are you okay mm. um whereas Emma doesn't Well, you do need it, don't you, Emma? But you're like, I mustn't be a burden.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I like to make sure everyone else is okay first and then I can have a small cry by myself. Um, But the difference is as well, Robin, you kind of had a whole family around you, right? To grieve with and to be sad with and to share stories. Whereas um, I'm through the process of losing my mum became estranged from my stepdad. Um, My grandma is quite sort of emotionally... uh, closed off like that um and I'm an only child from my mum and my dad who were divorced so there's no one really around that I would be talking to about it so they were very kind of physically different situations too and I am quite a private person and I, I do wonder sometimes if I'd had someone else around would I have talked to them but I guess I had you Robin
1: yeah you did but you you it was very much like in a box
0: yeah very much. It yeah. took me a long time to open the emotional lockbox.
2: Yeah. When you did open the emotional lockbox, as you put it, what happened then? Did you help each other through, you know, because when you do open that box,
0: it's it can be brutal. Um. Yeah. So I would say that Robin is the person who, without Robin, I would have very much kept this all inside. Mm-hmm. And having somebody else who I could even just say like, oh, this is a bit shit, or someone who would just come to me and say like, how are you? You're missing your mum. Or like, Robin brought me a hot quiche one day. Um, and, <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and, and a DVD of nine to five. <laughs> and a DVD of nine to five. Um, and just sat and we were sad together. Um, and having that person, I think, made me at least acknowledge that the box was there. Mm -hmm. but I think probably it took me about eight years and then Mm -hmm. I started going to therapy and I was like look I'm in a really bad emotional place here you know I couldn't eat I couldn't get on the tube because I couldn't stand still for that long Mm -hmm. I was in a real bad kind of anxiety place and so I went to get some therapy I decided that I had to take some ownership of the way I was feeling and I had to face up to the things that I'd been very much facing away from for a long time and yeah to answer your question in a roundabout way it was incredibly painful and I had to kind of get one thing out of the box look at it for a little bit put it back and do it very slowly and process all of that um and it's been a heck of a journey but definitely the best thing I've ever done for myself
2: along with um bringing you quiche which I think is an excellent (laughs) move how
0: did Robin help you through it Emma? You know what? I come from a long line of people who are dramatic undersharers Mm -hmm. um, and that's no shade to them. That's just how my kind of family and loved ones process things. Um, But to have someone around me and in front of me who was having emotions and who was demonstrating to me that it was okay to have emotions and it Mm -hmm. was okay to be sad in front of people. That was invaluable. I just thought that you had to keep it all inside. Um, and to have someone, yeah, who was just fearless with their emotions uh, was an unbelievable help.
2: And Robin, how did Emma help you through it? So
1: Emma really showed me how when you're having all those emotions, you're actually not looking at your emotions. You're, mm-hmm. you're kind of in the moment, but you're not processing. So I think I'm so used to being part of like a big family and everyone has a big shout. Or has a row and then everything's resolved but actually you never look at the underlying issue you don't look at the fact that well why are you always having big monstrous rows and things Mm -hmm. whereas Emma's quietness allowed me to think about the stuff that was going on that you know and and for myself get therapy and things and look at kind of the things that underline that those big explosions of emotions and how actually getting a handle on those things is really helpful in not ha- then having those big emotional moments, and um, which is just really tiring. And like sometimes mm. they're great. And the, um, those are ways I'm really grateful to my family because we are very open. We communicate. Well, (laughs) we sort of we are we communicate well in that everyone gets the message. Yeah, um, but we are quite selfish in our um, communication and things. And being able to just sort of sit with it and go right, okay, well, what is the actual issue without the shouting? Really helped me work through it in a in another way that I don't think I would have done if I hadn't had someone like Emma. I have a lot Mm -hmm. of friends like me who are like, let's talk about emotions. Till one of us is sick um whereas emma you do talk about emotions but it's very different like it's yeah. sort of like a very slow chess game where people you know make move and stuff and some i'm like and i don't think emma will be offended you can't push emma too far if you're like can you tell me everything about that feeling she'll be like no <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i will shut it down <laughs>
1: um whereas i'll be yeah and it's nice to do this. it's nice to just quietly look at the situation rather than kind of
0: put it into 4d all the time we learn so much from each other about different ways of grieving and I think it's really easy sometimes when you've done a big sad or when you've lost something really important to think that you're doing it right or other Mm -hmm. people are getting it wrong or you might not recognize grieving in in other people's behaviors when they don't look like yours and I think we just wanted to kind of write a book that said there's no way there's no right way of doing it because I certainly there are ways that Robin has behaved that I might not have recognized as grieving but now I can see I can really clearly see when Robin's hurting because we've been so open with each other
1: anger that'll be the answer to
0: yeah. <laughs> why is she so angry she said
2: <laughs> well that leads on to my next question which is kind of the decision to write the book about loss um and the conversation as well I'd love to know like how the book actually came about like did one of you kind of go let's write about this what was that, that was conversation Robin. like
0: Or <laughs> <All> Robin <laughs> it's always Robin yeah Robin said um well we started others day Mm -hmm. Um, first of all, um, which listeners can find on Instagram at Other's Day, um, as a kind of community to support people, um, who didn't have a traditional mum or dad Mm -hmm. relationship around Mother's and Father's Day. Um, and that was, the response we'd had from that was overwhelming. Um, and Robin, I'm going to hand over to you for the, um, book decision. Yeah,
1: well, I think it weirdly wasn't actually like a conversation. Mm. Um, we'd, we've always written, we have always written that's something kind of when we were young before everyone passed away kind of I wrote for Emma's student magazine um and about Keen. and she wrote a piece about Bono how <laughs> terrible Bono was um which was ironic because I wanted to write on Bono and she was like I've already done Bono and I was like we are the same <laughs> um, yeah so we we've always written and we always wanted to write together we have quite a similar but different tone of voice Mm -hmm. um and I I just don't think we knew that it was going to be the book and I like I found emails where we're like should we just make a blog about how awful the general public are (laughs) um (laughs) you know when you're 20 and you think you're it and then I think we were just like look should should we should we write this and then there was a lot of like oh how do we do it can we do it is it too much is it um and then we were like, no, let's do it. And then I got very drunk at a work party and ch- <laughs> chatting to our, our now agent. And I was like, you should take on our book. It wasn't a book. And um, I was like, it's about loss. Um, and, and relentlessly talked at her until she agreed to speak to us. <laughs> um,
2: and that's really how it started. Very effective approach. I respect yeah. her. <laughs> how was the writing process for you?
0: Was it difficult to kind of dredge up you know, a very tough period in your lives. I'm -hmm. quite interested to see how Robin found this. We sort of briefly talked about it amongst ourselves, but I found it, um, I therapied myself through writing that book.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: It moved on my um, processing and kind of comfort with my own grief quite a lot while I was writing it. I think being forced to put thoughts together and coherent words in sentences about certain things that are really difficult I found really cathartic feels like not a big enough word but Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah I found it really helpful to put everything in process it was definitely hard we both said that we couldn't write more than I think like 1500 words at a time Mm because we'd have to go and have a lie down afterwards yeah um but it surprised me as someone who struggles so much to get my emotional stuff out in public I found that it was actually easier than I thought is easier the right word yeah 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 it, I think it was it was easy because it, it had a purpose I was doing yeah, it mm-hmm. to provide a resource for other people and try and help them out of a situation that we'd been in
1: yeah I also weirdly found it I found exactly the same thing I think
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it was it was really hard and uh, I think the hardest bit for me was finishing. Mm. Because mm. I hadn't been around my nan for a decade. And then she was there every day. Like, cause I was thinking about her, I was thinking about mm. that time and stuff. And then stopping writing it and knowing I wouldn't see her every day was was really hard. Um, because it was like grieving her in a kind of micro way all over again. Mm. And that was quite hard. But generally, kind of looking at how difficult it was at the start and knowing how comfortable I am with my loss now and how it's Mm. not it doesn't drive me you know it's it doesn't define who I am anymore it's in some ways it has made me better it's made me kind of more moderate less kind of explosive and Mm. yeah just to look at how tough it was then and look at how I can handle it now I just was like oh god yeah this is much better I you know I felt, I felt like it closed another door on it, which was amazing.
2: When you were writing it, did you think much about the fact that people are going to read what you're saying? If that makes sense, was it strange to kind of go like, I'm, especially for Emma, I think Mm -hmm. when you say you're kind of less loud and open about your emotions, was it strange to think people are going to actually read what I was going through?
0: Yeah, really, really strange, naked feeling. Mm. And even since it's come out, um, people message and talk about it. And I think, oh, you've seen like the open emotional sandwich <laughs> that I've got inside. Um, and yeah, it's it's a really odd feeling for someone like me. I'm such uh, an introvert and I'm such a, an emotionally private person. Um, and one of the weirdest things has been people that I know Like I know at the moment that my dad is reading the book Mm -hmm. and there's a particular kind of uh, weirdness um, to that feeling. And knowing that my family and friends kind of have, it's like I've written them an open letter about what I went through (laughs) and now they're all reading it. And yeah, it's a very unusual feeling for me.
2: Have you had any reactions from people that you know who've read the book?
0: Uh, Yeah, and everyone is so lovely. So I I get messages from people just saying, because I think I was so closed about what was going on. And a lot of people hadn't really understood how Mm. much I was struggling. Um, And I've had a lot of friends get in touch and say that I'm so sorry that you went through it. And, you know, I'm always here if you want to talk. And uh, that's really lovely. I feel very held and loved by everyone at the moment, which is really nice. How would you like, in
2: terms of people that you don't know, what do you want their responses to the book to be? What do you want them to get from the book?
1: I think it's such um, a a wide thing, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's from both of our perspectives. Um, I think we just want people to find comfort in it. And Mm -hmm. if you find comfort from my end of the scale, where it's like, just go in hard for grief or with Emma's, which is kind of just sit with your feelings and just don't make any sudden movements. Hopefully people will find something in there that connects because the defining feature of loss, all kinds of loss, not just bereavement loss, is loneliness Mm
2: -hmm. because
1: Mm -hmm. you feel like no one else gets it until you speak to that person. And then you're like, I need to be around this person forever because it's it's such a relief when someone understands it. And, and you think, oh, I'm not going through this alone, you know, I can handle it, there are other people doing it, but in the moment it can feel so overwhelming and like you've not got a handle on it and to know that people could read that and feel hopeful that one day mm-hmm. it won't be absolutely terrible, that's all we wanted from the book.
2: You spoke with a lot of experts as well um, as part of writing the book, so it's not only your guys' experience, you're also speaking to people who are really like in the know about grief and loss what are some of the lessons that you learned from speaking with them
1: so we've got our therapist who kind of we were like we know we need to make sure we're not saying anything harmful um so Dr Sheetal went through and was like this is fine (laughs) thank goodness um and the other contributors are kind of that they've experienced loss Mm -hmm. in a myriad different ways and it's the and, and the kind of response to it is just I think shows you that it's not so different Mm. um that at the core of it human beings react in quite similar ways would you say Emma?
0: Yeah I definitely think that I think the contributors um who are people like uh Adam Buxton and Kay Tempest and Catherine Cho Mm -hmm. we've the thing that I mainly took from that is just how like completely beautiful these things that spring from loss can be. Mm -hmm. Like these people are offering their hearts up on a plate in our book um, with poetry or, um, I don't know, prose. And just the fact that people are willing to do that, there's a kind of collective spirit that I think comes when you connect with other people who've lost. And I really felt that from our contributors. They all make me really emotional when Mm. I read them because they've been kind of written for this book to help other people. And I just think that's such a beautiful thing.
2: I think as well, one thing that I've kind of learned from number one the existence of the book and also the kind of need for it is that we do need to get better at talking about loss. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's still such a kind of awkward scary topic that we don't want to talk about?
1: I think everyone thinks they're going to get it wrong. Like yeah. so I I was it ridiculous. I was with a friend who'd lost their dad this week and even I was like, ah, just what are you going to say? Mm-hmm. Because everything every loss will be very slightly different and you don't want to say the wrong thing or offend anyone or upset them or make it worse which you can't really do um but everyone just gets in their own head about it i think um Mm -hmm. and thus so as culture and because culturally we're like oh just you know don't pry just go and take some food round and then leave Mm -hmm. um we we learn to not to, to be very anxious about what we say to people and really the fact that we're saying are oh, you all right is more than sufficient
2: mm, I think and you're so also- right the fear of saying the wrong thing because I definitely feel that do you think that in your friendship there were times
0: when you ever said or did the wrong thing to help each other gotcha yeah, yeah all the time yeah yeah <laughs> But through doing the wrong thing and saying the wrong thing and getting it wrong, you learn what the boundaries are and you learn where the Mm -hmm. goalposts are and you learn how to communicate with each other better. Um, And I think it's quite fortunate in that sense that we've had each other and that we needed each other because it would have been quite easy for us to run away from each other, I think, at times. But we really did need that support system.
2: Plus, you're still friends. So whatever you said yeah. was wrong.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't that
2: bad. There's exactly. never been a
1: point, I think, for either of us where, like, you might bristle and be like, I don't want to do that. Or, mm-hmm. That's not right for me. But it's a momentary thing. And then you're back to being like, oh, I'm so sad. <laughs> like, yeah. you, do, you don't put someone out of your life, I don't think, unless they say something deeply, deeply
2: offensive. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you think people definitely shouldn't do or say to people who are grieving and maybe some things that they should
0: do instead? I have a couple that um kind of make me bristle <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um for example, it's it's when people try to solve loss for mm. someone else. Um you know, by asking, you know, like, oh, "Have you tried yoga?" or um any anything like that it's when people try to hurry you along that grieving process by kind of saying oh don't be sad right now like let's let's do something happy or and sometimes you just need to sit and be sad right yeah Yeah. um there are loads that we think people should do like I think just being really lenient with your friend mm. or your or your loved one and um, understanding that they're not going to be the person that they were for quite a long time kind of any sweeping statements
1: that try and make the best of a situation or like oh they were old or oh they weren't mm. sick for long or anything like just don't bother
2: <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> I think that's solid advice I think yeah. also what you guys said earlier about there being no kind of wrong way to deal with it Um, and also I liked that you both kind of said like the way each other dealt with things maybe wouldn't have been the way you would have dealt with things. And maybe you thought that's not the right way to go about it, but you kind of understood like, it's not up to you to decide how someone goes through loss. I think that's a really
0: important message as well. 100%. And, you know, people have so many different coping mechanisms and if someone is going out partying all the time, that might seem like they're okay. Mm. Um, but they might still very much not be. And I think maybe that's a good thing to understand as well, is just because someone's getting on with doing stuff and they seem like they're okay. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are okay. Emma,
1: if you didn't know Emma when Emma was bereaved, you'd be like, this woman has got it all. She's got a (laughs) career, she's got a boyfriend, she (laughs) is a high flyer. Well, really, she was like giving away the contents of her wardrobe and like not eating and yeah it it was terrible but to all intents and purposes presenting is it as if life was fine and I think you Mm. have to and that can be very comfortable like if if Mm. you're like right they're fine that's great I don't have to do anything Mm. um you can sort of slip into being like right that's finished now they are not bereaved anymore but you have to be honest
2: with yourself and go
1: "Mm, probably should check in with that person (laughs) because they're in quite panic
2: yeah take them a hot quiche yeah I think the quiche is a solid bit of advice um, do you have any other advice for someone who has a friend or a loved one who they know is going through loss and they're just not sure how they can help buy the book yeah
1: (laughs) 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 Promo. no just reach out and Mm. and reach out in a way that you would reach out to them generally Mm -hmm. but with a kind of the caveat of Of loss and just be like are you okay is there anything I can do or just I'm still about if you need me
0: yeah and don't expect them to reply no because they might not and Mm. you kind of have to just accept that you're not allowed to be mad at that person for their actions for I don't know the rest of time
1: it's their party it's like you wouldn't expect to text the bride and be like what's what what's the main course so don't expect to text your breed person and be like when are you going to be better
2: Mm. oh that's such a good comparison I love that spot (laughs) on spot on comparison that's great if you wanted to say something to anyone listening to this who's struggling with loss alongside obviously by the book um what would you like to say to
0: them good question um I would like to say a I'm really sorry that you're struggling Mm and be to anyone who's feeling like they need to deal with it like I felt I did which is to keep it all on the inside and present a I'm fine message on the outside I just want to say that you absolutely deserve the time and effort that it's going to take to feel okay again Um, that your emotions are as important as everyone else's and that you need to take some time and just be really kind to yourself and have patience
1: and I would just say that as far away as it seems right now it will get better it will not be the same life won't be the same but you will create a life post loss and it will be bearable and then there will be moments of joy and then they will increase and it's going to be slow and a real slog but it won't be as awful as it is at the start
0: I think one of the hardest things to admit and both Robin and I have said in our own losses is that some of the best things that we have in life emotionally and, you know, in real life have come from this loss. Like they wouldn't exist Mm -hmm. without having gone through this loss. Um, And that's an almost unbearable truth, Mm -hmm. right? But you kind of, I I always think of it like a tree, like you know the way a tree will grow around something that's in its way and it Mm -hmm. kind of morphs and changes. You get a bit like that with your loss. It changes you and it's not always for the worse. Sometimes it's for the better. And it's a part of all of us who've gone through it. And I just hope that people will find comfort in that one day.
2: So this is goodbye from Mentally Yours. So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from Mentally, 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 Mentally Mentally Yours. Mentally Yours. Mentally Yours. You've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today. You can give the Samaritans a ring on 116 123 If you like Mentally Yours, you can also find us on Twitter. We're at mentally YRS. We also have a lovely Facebook group which is just called Mentally Yours. And if you really liked us, you could do us a massive favor and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's much appreciated, uh, helps us, you know continue doing what we're doing so please do rate and review and check back in next week for more mentally yours